Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Feelin' Film. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me for this conversation is my co-host, my wolf walker in crime, Kales. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. For the next month, we are going to be covering films that we loved from 2020 but have not gotten a chance to talk about yet, starting with Wolf Walkers, third final film in Cartoon Saloon's Folklore Trilogy, and all but certain to be their third film in a row that garners a prestigious Oscar nomination, following in the footsteps of The Secret of the Kells and Song of the Sea. This time, the setting is mid-1600s Ireland, and the film blends a historical event into a fantastical story. So, Coles, let's just get after it. One-word takeaways, what did you come down with? My one-word takeaway was tolerance. The definition of tolerance is sympathy or indulgence for beliefs or practices differing from or conflicting with one's own. The key issue that we have in Wolfwalkers, outside of a young girl trying to find a way to get out of a trapped life that she's feeling is that we have a human population that sees wolves as demons and beasts and not animals that should be respected wolves were probably inhabiting the land in this film way before this town of people moved into and most of their hate is being sparked by lord protector who is based on a real life figure oliver crowall we'll get to him later but this guy has aims on expanding his town. The more land he gets, the more power he gets. So instead of coming to a common ground with the wolves, instead of understanding that, hey, they were here before us, so maybe we should try to build around them. Maybe we should treat this land as better as they treated it. Maybe we should come to see them as pets. We could, like, take them. They could be useful to us. No, instead, what he tries to do, he wants to go to war with them. He paints them with stereotypes and labels that don't fit who they are. He, there has to be a winner and a loser in this conflict. And it sh is pretty much equivalent to what we are seeing in the world now. There are a lot of people out here who are very intolerant when it comes to the lives of other people. If someone is a different shade of color than you, they need to be feared, not understood. If someone believes a different political ideology or a different opinion of yours, they're wrong, you're right. Or if someone practices a different religion or worships another different god than you, they are seen as someone who's a threat to you and not someone that you could actually conversate and understand where they're coming from. The thing that will solve tolerance is sitting down with someone who's different from you and getting to know them on a hum humane level, not just seeing them by the book, because you can't always judge a book by its cover. And the relationship between between Robin and Meb in this story is a beautiful example of how tolerance can help create a better society. If we actually there may be some hesitation. We we may have these these pro, this propaganda or these words of negative connotation to certain people or certain ways of life. But until we come and sit down and see these people face to face or see the ideologies face to face, come to read get gain more knowledge, learn more, understand, then maybe we cannot fully support or we don't have to change our own morals or beliefs or our thoughts. We can still have our own opinions, but just respect 
someone who's different. That's what it's all about. Because it would be boring in this world if every one of us was the same. And just because somebody somebody doesn't have to be a human for you to respect them. If someone's an animal, I'm pretty sure that you wouldn't look at your dog as a savage or a beast. But a dog is essentially what a wolf is out in the wild. So you wouldn't treat your dog that way. So why would you see a wolf that way? Especially a wolf that is doing nothing but living in its own environment. They're trying to do what you're doing. They're trying to build a life for themselves. Although it's a different in biological lifestyle and there's in their species and we are considered mammals. But it's all about seeing the the respect, the principles, the honor. It's all about seeing each other as one and not as somebody that we need to fight. Yeah, no, that's a great word. I totally agree that tolerance is probably the most prominent theme in the film, if there is one. Um, I actually kind of struggled with what I wanted to choose for my one word takeaway. I was very close to saying just the word symmetry, and I want to talk about that more in depth when we get to kind of the animation conversation. But that was sort of visually just the thing that stood out to me the most. And I ended up landing on folklore. And the reason is just because of the way that this film and really all of Cartoon Saloon's films, I said that this is the third in a sort of quote unquote trilogy of folklore, Irish folklore films that they've made. And so the the films don't connect to each other, but they're thematically similar. Um, And what really just stands out to me is how you know this is set in Kilkenny, Ireland, which is where Cartoon Saloon is actually based out of. Now, that's their main base. They have artists and employees all around Europe in different little cells and hubs that are working together. But Kilkenny is where they are main out of. And what is interesting about how they created the story is just that they they took this myth and they took their real life history and they tweaked both of them and then put them together to create this very impactful story. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. And and it's, it, we will always respect ingenuity and creativity and storytelling when someone comes up with something that is fresh that we haven't seen done before. And what is maybe equally as hard is to bring a myth that no one is really familiar with and make it something that feels like it's brand new. And so for, I think for us, this is not something that we grew up learning about, right? We didn't grow up in America hearing about wolf walkers. Now there may be some similar legends in native American communities for sure. But like you and I grew up in the South, we didn't have these kind of stories. And so this is an Irish Irish story that kids would have been told. And now he they blend it with that history, that Oliver Cromwell um, that you talked about. And it just, it fascinates me because you're embarking on this story about something that is taking place hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. But like you just mentioned, the tolerance issue, it has human relevance today. It's exactly the same problems. You know, we can immediately make the connection between what we see on screen that they're going through then and what we are living through now. And it doesn't feel preachy. 
in the way that modern storytelling can feel when you're dealing with a theme and it's actual of the time. It can feel like it's really kind of trying to force a message on you. This does not feel like that. I think it's because it's folklore, because it kind of slowly just sucks you into an actual fantastical story with these cool historical elements and it gets your your brain engaged it gets your heart and your emotions engaged all at the same time and then before you know it the movie ends and you realize that there was this message that you just saw and these things that these thoughts that you come away with that are maybe going to help you look at the world differently so it is a an amazing way of storytelling and it's a way of storytelling that not a lot of animation store studios try and deal with anymore and i like that and i find that to be very refreshing and so that was kind of the one big one for me well this is our spoiler warning we are now going to dive into the specifics of wolf walkers and spoil the heck out of it as we move on into the themes and dig into it a little deeper so you've been warned if you have not seen it it is streaming on apple tv plus please go check it out I feel like I promote Apple TV Plus all the time, especially when we cover a movie that's on there, but five bucks. You can get the service for $5 for one month. You don't have to keep going. You can just do one month and then cancel. And there is more than enough content to satisfy you for five bucks for one month. There's Wolf Walkers. There's Greyhound. There's, what's the movie? The Banker, I think is what it's called, is on there. There's shows that are some of my favorites. Ted Lasso, Bombshell, uh, M. Night Shyamalan has a show on there. I think you told me you liked Coles. I think it's called Servant or something. I don't know. There's there's tons of content on this service. Boys State, one of the best documentaries of last year, is on this service. The Beastie Boys story mm-hmm. is on this service. There's so, so much stuff. So please, if you haven't yet, check out Apple TV+. Plus. I, they really need to like start, I don't know, kicking it back to us, I think, because I'm giving, I, I'm, it sounds like I'm reading an ad. And I'm getting nothing out of it. It's just me caring about the listeners. All right. (laughs) Well, we'll start here. The film does take place against this backdrop of English colonization of Ireland by Oliver Cromwell. Uh, In this movie, not referred to as Oliver Cromwell, referred to as Lord Protector. And I did a little digging, read some interviews, and realized that that was a very conscious choice that they made. They didn't want to be specific about the history They wanted to kind of nod to the history, and I like that about it because I think it allows us, once you know that, it can allow you to be more open to what you see on screen instead of trying to critique whether or not Oliver Cromwell is portrayed correctly or not. Um, I think that can be a hurdle. I know in my first viewing of this class, I didn't know anything about Oliver Cromwell, and so I was furiously Googling, trying to learn about this this man and what he did um, in trying to kind of bring England to Ireland and take over their colonies or their, their places and make them into colonies. And I was trying to see, like, is he accurately portrayed in the film? And once I was able to let go of that, I was able to see him as a stand-in, and I think it fits more with the folklore nature of the story because what it gives you is a little bit of a like local perspective of Oliver Cromwell. So there's a perspective you can get from reading a history book about a person. And there's a perspective you can get from people who are experiencing 
interaction with said figure in their lives. And what I feel like is we get more of that, the latter. And so it's more like, what does this person feel like and look like to us? And he's going to come off as a villain. He's going to come off that way because, you know, some of the choices that he makes feel like they are oppressive to the people. And I just, I really enjoyed the way that he's tied in here without it trying to be a history lesson directly. And so I wondered how that worked for you. A, did you know who Oliver Cromwell was? Did you know about the colonization of Ireland and this, this backstory historically? And, you know, did you think that it made for a compelling villain? Cause I can tell you, I absolutely did. I mean, I was just over the top, like angry at this person by the end but I had just enough empathy for him that I didn't like or didn't necessarily want him to go out the way that he goes out. And, it, and I like that about characters. Like I, I didn't agree with his methods and yet I didn't think he needed to die for them necessarily. So anyway, how did you land on like the history aspect of the way that they wove that into this tale? The history aspect is what drew me in. I'm a history buff myself, so any film that's going to take its time to offer me historical figure or historical period of time that I'm not too familiar with, then I'm going to be interested in that. And not just interested as far as watching the film and learning about it, but after the film, going and doing some background research. And like you did, I did some background research too on Oliver Cromwell, and it turns out that his station in ireland history is kind of debated among scholars scholars these days my bad they some of them say that he was responsible for a lot of deaths a lot of destruction a lot of massacres a lot of innocent civilians dying and then other people will say that no he only bare arm against people who bear arms against him so we technically really don't know but the historical stats and the stories that you hear from that time really paint him more as what he is in wolf walkers other than a guy who is just fair and only went after people who came after him as far as him being a villain he is a very compelling villain he was one of the villains that i nominated for our critic society awards because he just gave me a chill under my skin with just how intolerable and just brutal he was to the wolves this is a guy who used religion as a way to control the people that he ruled over. He he said, "Is the, the reason we should kill these was because God said we should do it. And I would never lie to you, but he's committing all these sins. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not lie. Like he's, he's one of these characters who uses religion as a way to prime themselves up, but they don't act the way of the religion that they're facading as their own. And throughout the film... I got the feeling that he was never really going to learn any other way. It was his way or the highway. He was going to live and die by this creed, which is just gaining more and more power and more and more resources. Towards the end, we could see that he was planning on massacring all the wolves. He took glee in it. I mean, when they're getting close to shooting the um, cave where the wolves make their home, he took pride in it. He said, we are close enough to getting this land and driving away the wolves forever. And it wasn't a part of him that wanted to keep the wolves, some of the wolves alive, at least. No, he wanted to extinguish all of them. And to me, he's the worst kind of person because he has no heart. He has no sympathy. The only thing that matters is his plan. And if you get away from 
get in the way of his plan, he's getting rid of you. And if it's not the wolves, then what happens when they build this land? And in order for someone to keep power, usually they have to find another enemy to rally people around to turn away and distract them away from their faults. So once they build another town with the land they were supposed to take away from the wolves, he's just going to drive the people to find another enemy. <laughs> We've seen politicians who have done that in history, you know, use distractions in the form of labeling and generalizing and stereotyping and ostracizing a member of society in order to prove a point or to keep themselves in power and keep all the eyes away from them. Absolutely agree with that. And, you know, I, I love that you nominated him for villain. I should have thought of that because we don't necessarily give enough credence to just a voice performance and, and maybe even not just a voice performance. The voice performance is fantastic, but just the way he's drawn, the way he looks on screen is mm-hmm. so <laughs> annoyingly like it just it, it makes you mad. It makes you angry. Um, the power that he is exerting over people that he has no right to be exerting power over um, as he is coming into their land, into their world and dominating them. And you're right, like the way that he is going after the wolves and using the name of religion is something that really, really bothered me in the movie because we see this all the time. And I'll say, you know, as a Christian and, you know, I struggle sometimes with even being able to call myself that in the year 2021 because the word Christian has been co-opted by so many different people that kind of act very contrary to each other and follow a, a law, a biblical law that is very different than the same thing. And so it's hard to for people to just say the word Christian and then associate that with a set of beliefs and actions anymore. And so I get really irritated when people associate that word and then act in a way that I feel is contrary. And you're right, man. It, it was absolutely what we see all the time. People who will do something in the name of God. And it, and it is a, or whatever their God is. It could be it could be Allah. It could be God. It could be Buddha. It, but in the name of a higher power. And it feels to me almost like a cop-out of responsibility too. Because you don't have to accept any personal responsibility anymore because you're doing something for this quote higher power that you feel. And so it's really a frustrating thing when you're on the other side of that and you're, you're, and it's hard to fight against. It's really hard to fight against too, because that person has become such a, a zealot essentially um, with their destruction that you can't use sense and reason to have a conversation about what is right or what is wrong or why we don't need to wipe out the woods because they're so locked in on this belief that they have and they're just going to take it all the way to the grave. We see it in cults all the time, you know, David Koresh, you know, and the Waco cult and stuff. And so, yeah, I, the way that he is so aggressively against the belief in magic, but yet has this religious belief that, kind of in a sense sort of also is magic um if you will it is it enrages me <laughs> throughout the movie and the other thing is that outside of the streamer for the wolves he treats his own people like crap anybody that comes out and comes against him in any kind of free speech form or says any disparaging comments about the way that he's ruling ireland they get censored they get thrown away there's a kid early in the film that says to robin 
hey, I don't support this Lord. Like he, my father said something about him and he threw him in jail. No doubt. It's not, they're not all on his side. And I mean, even her dad is not on his side, but because he's co-opted into this job, you know, he has to be this hunter, right? And in order to keep himself out of the military, in order for him to be able to to live with and take care of his daughter, he's a single father, like he's got to do this job for this man. And I often think about this when we see war movies, because it's one of my favorite things to consider. There's all of these soldiers on both sides, and you will see waves of no-names soldiers or whatever the case may be who get wiped out in movies all the time and i think to myself what did that person do wrong like what did that person do by choice to deserve this death they were on the wrong side (laughs) you know what i mean like there are so many wars and battles that america has undertook that maybe we wouldn't agree with from a moral perspective and yet People died fighting them. And it's like, are they right? Are they wrong? What side are you on? Like, why are these people who are just seriously, they're just there because they're in a job. They're just there because they're following what they have to follow. They don't have a choice in a lot of ways is a struggle for them. And so, you know, when you see how he exerts that influence over her dad and threatening to put him into the infantry and how, you know, her dad doesn't want to do that because it'll be taken away from her. Um, it's really fascinating and it definitely you know, ratchets up that villainy that we see throughout the film. Well, everything kind of centrally focuses for the most part on our two characters, Meb, the wolf walker who represents freedom and the wilderness wildness, uh, Robin, who kind of represents like being caged in and repressed, um, but has this desire to be out in the woods And they become fast friends once they meet. I wanted to talk a little bit about them because they are drawn together. And we have these two different kind of issues that they're both enduring that center around their parental figures. We have Meb, who is a single, has a single parent mom. And her mom is trapped. And so Meb has this freedom about her to where she can do whatever she wants, but yet she has to avoid being killed by hunters while she does so. And she has this desire to get her mom back and live freely in the woods like they always have, but also live safely and occasionally steal a stolen, you know, town tasty. And then we have Robin, who is this outsider to her town in both nationality and also in gender, uh, because both of those things come into play when it comes to Robin. And what she desires is to be a hunter like her dad. And so I wondered, like, how do you see the two of them as kind of similar and then as opposites as well? Like, what is it about their two backgrounds that makes them come together and be able to have this friendship that we see form. The one thing I see for them is that there's wonder from the perspective of both of them when they meet each other, 
There's Meb, who's usually used to dealing with townies, but dealing with them in an aggressive and a protective kind of way. She either has to run away from them or she has to attack them because they're attacking her. It's very new for her when she's able to kind of talk with this townie and get to know them because I don't think she's ever really get to know anybody from the town before. And Robin, she's grown up in a world where in, in her society, wolves are bad. I mean, there there's a reward for getting a wolf. There's a nursery rhyme that goes, kill, kill, kill the wolf. So the wolf has been treated as something to be afraid of, something that's dangerous, something that's going to hurt you and bite you the first chance you get. And while Robin does get a bite from Meb, Meb explains to her, no, the reason why I bit you is because you were coming at me. You were shooting me with an arrow, so I had to meet force with force. But eventually over time, their similarities with them is that they're young. You know, they're kids. They are growing up in two distinctive worlds, but the one thing they do share is that they're learning something new. They're experiencing new things. Their their curiosity hasn't ran out. Like the um the harshness and oppression that can sometimes come with being an adult and you know, having and having that opening to really get to know people hasn't closed up yet. They're still in that stage where they want it they want friends, they want somebody to connect with. Because all humans desire is a form of connection. And we see that they, the more time they spend together, the more that they get to see each other, in a sense. Not in just the way, except in the way that they both live, but coming to see that, hey, we have fun together. We can talk about things. We have girl time. And when Robin is able to become a wolf towards the middle of the film, which we'll get to later on our connecting point, that drives the bond even stronger because they can finally be able to live together and they now can share the same experiences. But they first had to come to admire and respect each other by getting to know each other at a at a surface level first. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're, you're right. I think it comes down to like trust too. And that's really what you're getting at. It's like they, it takes time to be able to trust each other because it's all about perspective. and that plays into what your one more takeaway was about tolerance and how we see something one way and it's not until we're able to step back and see that thing in a different way that maybe things can change and we can then, you said, have a conversation or be able to maybe think differently about a group of people or a group of animals or whatever the case may be, whatever you want to call wolf walkers. Because Robin, she wants to be a hunter like her dad. All she knows is just the hunting. She doesn't think of the wolves as humans. But I think that one of the key things we see in Robin is also an innate respect for nature as well as being a hunter. All she knows of the wolves is that they're bad, that they're dangerous they are harmful and that her dad is someone to look up to because he's good at doing this thing. But she also has a deep love for her hawk who she doesn't want to see get hurt. And so she clearly has a love of animals once she is close to them, once she forms a bond with them. And it doesn't take long. As soon as she realizes that there's more to the wolves than she was thinking. She she comes to this pretty easily, I think, from her perspective. But yet, the town really struggles with this. And we see, like, when Meb 
lashes out of the town. Robin is constantly, she's trying, everybody's trying to protect each other in this film. That's one of the things I love about the relationships. Robin's dad is trying to protect her. So some of it is Robin being oppressed, being sent to the scullery, being told, don't go out in the woods. I need you to stay in. I need you to stop trying to push the boundaries. But he just wants to protect her. He, he may be suppressing her freedom in that, but it's coming from a place of fatherly concern where that then gets kind of transferred because Robin then is like saying, Neb, no, I need you to stay in the forest because I want to protect you because I want to keep you safe. You don't need to go there. And then Meb goes and like lashes out against the town, which ultimately is completely understandable. They've got her mom locked up. They're threatening her and her kind. And yet it's perceived, it's spun, propagandized by Mr. Cromwell, by Lord Protector here, and by those who want to wipe them out. It's spun in a negative way as look at this dangerous thing. And so the town's perspective is being given to them, right? All they know is what, all they see is wolf. That wolf wants to hurt me. They don't know anything about why. <laughs> and so you see this shifting perspectives throughout the film through this relationship. And it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's constant. You know, when Meb steals the town tasties and, and Robin like is learning about this and, and Meb's saying, listen, we don't steal things that are like overly necessary. It's not like we're in here trying to like take somebody's living away from them. Um, and they're, they're trying to coexist and you don't, get that unless you it's it's simple as you walk a mile in my shoes you know and once these two characters are able to do that they see how similar they are especially from that parental standpoint of being having one parent only and i think that they're able to relate to each other and that draws people close together in real life as well um, and, and it's it's fascinating it's just a beautiful way to portray it for a world that has these exact same issues but not necessarily between obviously human and wolf and also the other similarity they have is that they value freedom they want freedom like robin is a is a girl who desperately doesn't want to fit into that life of just doing menial jobs and just doing chores and cleaning all day because she's suspected to she wants to go out into the woods and have adventures just like her father does and Meb, she doesn't want to lose that freedom because who would want to? You know, the woods are a very expansive, free-flowing location, and who would want to lose that? So they both also value that freedom to do things that are outside the perception of many other people around them. Absolutely. So with relation to the nature and issues like environmentalism, deforestation animal rights habitat destruction there's those are woven into this film as well because we're dealing with this english lord who's coming into this irish colony and wanting to expand it it's almost gentrification of the wolves if you will um <laughs> to wipe them out of their own natural habitat and where they have lived and peacefully been able to roam forever because we want to take their land and what boils down to is i want this thing that you have land and i'm gonna take it by force if you won't just leave it of your own free will because i feel entitled to it 
Um, and so we see all these kind of things mixed into the film. And, you know, how did, did, what did, how did you feel about all that? I guess is, I'll just put it that kind of simply. I felt the topic of deforestation is a big problem that needs to be addressed and is continuing to happen all across the world. I mean, we just seen a story a couple of years ago where in Brazil, they're tearing down the forests down there and people have raised issues with the government about, hey, we're, we're messing up the ecological balance here. Like animals are going to go extinct because of this. But the peop- the companies and the higher powers don't care because as if the animals and the nature are getting in the way of building new avenues of money, then why should they then why should I feel to care about them? Because they're not putting money in my pocket? What happened to empathy? What happened to loving something? Even though if you don't live the same way that it does, coming to an understanding. And it's hard to do that when in our society, it's kind of valued to be the individual. It's valued that, hey, I got to get mine. You got to get yours. So, hey, I'm sorry. There has to be a winner and there has to be a loser in our society, the way it's set up. And if you're the loser then I feel sorry for you. And if I'm the winner, then I get to feel good about myself. And I get to look down on the people who are not winners and judge them for them not being a winner. It goes into a lot about how not just animals and humans are living at a point where there are many extinct, there are many animals going extinct around the world. And this treatment of where people come into these nature beds and just like car, just chase down these, they cut down these trees, they ruin the environment, they pollute it, they drive out anything that's in their way instead of coming to an understanding and it get, it just gets left behind. It just gets glossed over like it's nothing. And it's a really big issue. And this film tags it head on. It's not done in a preachy way. There's appeal to this film. It's entertaining. It's dramatic. It can be sad at times. And there's also a sense of hope that this film gives. But it does make you think very hard about the messages that it delivers. The big message that it does for me is how we interact among humans against humans. How do we interact amongst each other? Like the way that we're the way that we're treating the wolves is the way that we're treating other humans. We've seen in history that there is a problem with racism in this country where we judge and we ostracize somebody because of the color of their skin or the religion that they study or maybe the lifestyle that they choose to lead instead of us talking with people and seeing them and appreciating them for their unique choices we think that just because they don't believe the same thing that we believe that they're wrong and that needs to be driven out but no there's a place for everybody it is where I mean, this planet is not built for just one person to sit here and live all on its own. Like there's enough space for everybody. There's enough there's enough resources and there's enough um, places for everybody to get a slice. It doesn't have to be where somebody gets this and another person has to live without. It doesn't have to be that way. And at the end of this film, Wolf Walkers, we get to see that. The people in the town come to see the wolves as something special. They come to see them as spiritual and healing property of the forest. They come to see them as people who have something to give as well. They don't. They don't just take away. They're not the monsters that you were belie- that you were made to believe. They have something to offer, and all it all it takes is for us to sit down and actually look at it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think 
So I, one of the greatest things about Cartoon Saloon is their visual way of doing animation. They look unlike any other animation studio. It's one of the things that I really love about Leica Studios as well. It's why they're one of my favorites, because their brand of stop motion animation is immediately recognizable to me. And Cartoon Saloon is the same way. And it works to enhance the storytelling. And so I said earlier that symmetry was one of my words that I kind of come away with. This, for me, looks almost like Wes Anderson could have directed it because there is so much symmetry. And typically, it's in both sides of the film, the wolves and then also the town, but specifically in the town. And I think what is really neat is how when it comes to the characters in the town and when it comes to the town itself, everything is drawn with sharp lines and like very strict angles. And the art is, it looks gorgeous, right? But it is incredibly symmetrical and rigid and just very geometric, you know, specifically in the way that buildings are depicted in the, in all of this, even when the film draws back and uses wide shots of what you're seeing on screen, but everything is just, it feels like it's actual architecture in a city. And yet, when we get into the woods and we deal with their habitat and the forest and the wolves, everything becomes swirling and circular in, in like a Celtic way, right? There's spirals everywhere and colors like blending together everywhere instead of the gray and kind of darker red and brownish tones of the town. Everything's multicolored and it really feels like you can sense the smells and the sights and sounds of the town. And so everything's more free flowing too. And it's just, it's, it's free. It feels like it's more like freestyle art versus something that's very, very controlled. And I love that. I think that the depiction of, or the difference of that really speaks to the difference of the characters and the difference of the way in which they live their lives. And uh, I just, I can't get over it, to be honest. Like, I, I, one of the cool things about this is you can watch it and really just take it in from a visual standpoint. And the score is also one of my favorites of the year. You can just watch and listen to this. I think even if you just turned off the, the words, you know what I mean? Like, there's no dialogue or no subtitles you wouldn't even know what was happening but just from a visual standpoint it would still be incredibly enjoyable and mesmerizing to you and i think that that's really special because that's not always the case with art you know what i mean like look at the art for something like the lego movie or, or even toy story or you know some of the pixar films the art design the design itself maybe meaningful like the way that a shape is portrayed but the crispness and the you know beauty of the way that their art is done in a disney film or whatever doesn't necessarily speak to the theme 
of the movie in the way that Cartoon Saloon does. And so I'm just always blown away by their films and their art styles, and they've got to get some major props for that. Yeah, I think the one little detail that I noticed is that when Robin is early on in the town, you see that she has her hair covered up or her hair is up in a little um tied up with like covering something above it she doesn't really get to let her hair down until she gets out into the woods and we see meb she has this long flowing glistening pile of hair that she's able to wave it and just stretch it however she wants to because she has no limitations the town feels like it was built by somebody okay like okay this building has to be shaped this way and you can't improvise away from that plan or anything at all it has to be done this way there's a structure to it and there's nothing wrong with structure but sometimes you got to open up some creativity. You got to let some creativity get in there. You got to let some style shine through. And I feel with the woods, you can do that. I mean, the woods, there's no wall covering the woods. You can go anywhere you want to and nothing can stop you. There's no limits. And it kind of speaks to how we should live life that way as not having any limits. And I'm not telling you to go out there and do something crazy, like get a DUI or something. But I'm just saying that don't let anything like a physical a physical barricade stop you from using your mind to reach out farther than that. And you can see it. The woods, they're very colorful, very like water. They use watercolor painting, which is something that the old Disney films used to do. And I like that you brought up Disney, by the way, because we can always appreciate a good Pixar or Disney film and their animation is always top notch. Not going to lie about that, but the animation, in this film feels like it has personality it feels like that when someone was writing a screenplay, they were able to diagram and figure out, okay, if I'm going to write how these characters are, how am I going to betray that in the world and how I'm going to make the story fit in with the way that it looks. And too often, so many times, we see films that have these great messages, but the visual language of it just doesn't reach you. In this film, it reaches you right from the beginning when you see how the town is and then you contrast it with how the woods are. And then by the end, you're able to see the woods glow with a golden shine and it's kind of like the it's kind of like the main idea that you get is that the forest has something to say like cities and industries yes that's what makes up our world but we can't forget about the power of nature that's beautiful man i love how you're putting that i agree and it's just you know i hope more people see this and i hope that people will seek out the other cartoon saloon films as well the ones we just mentioned secret of the kells and Song of the Sea, both are excellent. I probably put Wolf Walkers above both of them. I think that they have continually honed their craft over time, as many studios will do, and are able to just get better and better and better. But I will always like look forward to whatever they're going to do next because they've never let me down. They've always had just fascinating stories to tell. Um, that are very personal you know this is they have again they have employees all over europe but they come from ireland and the two main directors of the film and the writers like they are irish this is their heritage that they are putting out there for us to see and you can feel that in their storytelling right you can really really feel it, it kind of like soul when we talked about soul and how you knew that Kemp Powers had come into that screenplay. You could you can tell where he comes into that screenplay and injects a black man's experience into that character in a way that me, if I'm writing it, I could never quite do just being an observer from the outside of not being in that skin, not living that life. 
um, that's what we get from this animation studio throughout this specific picture. All right, well, let's move into Connecting Point. We have the same one, so that's cool. I thought that was fun. We've It's always neat when you come out of a movie with the same moment that stands out. Um, I'll let you kick it off first. Our moment is when Robin becomes a wolf walker, and I would assume if you're like me, this kind of goes all the way from the moment that she pops out of her own skin in her bed into a wolf and then all the way through her kind of exploration of the forest with Mev. But why was that your connecting point? It was my connecting point because it feels like that this is what the film is championing, this message of two people from different worlds getting to walk in each other's shoes. Well, mostly it's for Robin to understand how it is to walk in Meb's shoes. We see in the beginning when she does get bit by Meb, she eventually starts, she eventually turns into a wolf walker. And this is when Robin is able to understand that the wolves are not what they seem to be because she's a wolf herself, but she doesn't consider herself a beast or a demon. And so when she's a wolf, she, she's terrified. She's afraid. And she comes to see that no one else can see her as Robin. They only see her as wolf and her dad attacks her. So she leaves out into the wild. She meets up with Meb and Meb explains to her like, well, this is this is how it is. You know, when you're asleep in your human form, you're a wolf at night and you're able to roam and explore with with all the freedom you can be. And when you're awake during the day, you're, you're just who you are. And Robin is able to understand and see that these wolves were never something for me to be afraid of. These wolves are not a species that should be exterminated just because a lord wants to make room for his kingdom. These are wolves that have passions. They have respect for each other. They have a spiritual side to them. They have honor. And they're not looking to harm anybody. The harm that it's the harm that's being done to them. They're only doing harm when they're provoked or they're forced to do it. And the scene where Robin and Meb are just tracking through the woods and running with the wolves tonight is playing, which is another song that I think should get more mentioned as probably a best original song when it comes to awards time, because it fits the scene perfectly. We see these these beautiful visuals, these the colors of blue and the golden colors, and we're traversing through this world with Robin and Meb, and we're feeling the excitement. We're feeling that this is a fun time for both of them, and we're feeling the happiness. Because we've been seeing nothing but the way the town is. We've been seeing the hunters going after the wolves. We've been seeing the wolves who are afraid that the forest is getting smaller and they probably will have to leave. And we're seeing that Mev's mother still hasn't been found. But in this one moment, we get a sense of peace. We get a sense of being away from all those issues and problems and just exploring what it's like to be a wolf. And it's a grand time to have. And it sets the tone for the rest of the film because it forces Robin to fight for these wolves. She comes to her dad. She she tries to explain to him, no, you need to call this off. You don't need to hunt these people anymore. Not people, but species. You don't need to hunt these animals anymore. They're not doing any harm to anybody. They're, they're actually good for the forest, while what the Lord Protector and his troops are doing are destroying the forest. Before the end of the film, we see that the forest is dark. There's branches everywhere. Trees are thrown down. Leaves are strewn everywhere. It just looks very dirty. But then when the wolves are able to take back the forest, then the wolf is able to heal itself due to the powers of the wolf walkers. So this scene is so early in the film, which is weird because usually our connecting points usually happen towards the preliminary of the film, towards the ending. But this one happened early in the film. And 
it set the tone for the hope and the inspiration that this film wants to provide through its message of tolerance and empathy. Oh yeah. Cosine, all of that good, good stuff. I, um, uh, you know, I think you're really hitting on exactly how I felt about it as well. One thing I will say, it's not an original song. And the reason I found that out is because I looked it up because I wanted to see if it was going to be eligible for Oscar consideration. It's actually a song from 2015 by a group called Aurora. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Like the, 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 it, talk about, talk about perfect though. Yeah. Like this song existed and it was the absolute right choice for this scene. And uh, sometimes this works. You know, we talk about like needle drops at times when we're doing like promising young woman has some great needle drops that really the lyrics to the song that's playing enhances the theme that we're experiencing at that moment on screen. And that's what happens. This running with the wolves. It is stuck in my head after I watched this for days. Um, it is a beautiful song to listen to and it really builds over the course of the song. Um, it, it captures the feeling of like an adventure and exploration and then just bursting into a whole new view of the things around you. Like what happens with Robin when the colors and everything starts just again, it, like it's also one of the best animated scenes of the movie where it's just watercolors just exploding on the screen all over the place is absolutely beautiful and striking visually and everything hinges in this moment like you said i think it everything changes like this is the moment that you this is this can to your connecting point this is the tolerance right this is where it all starts to come together the walking in somebody's shoes to where you see through their eyes you're able to experience what they experience you're able to see this thing that as you described may have been looked very differently to you i.e the woods and now it's this thing of absolute beauty because you're having a different perspective of it. And now it's worth fighting for. And it should always be worth fighting for. Even if you don't see it as beautiful, that's the thing. Like you shouldn't have to be a wolf to respect that it's beauty to the wolves and that it is their home. And so we see that and then that theme follows through, but it is the moment where they bond and that friendship comes together. It is just the magical nature of the story really coming out where she's coming out of her body and becoming a wolf. It makes me, it's one of the one like paradoxical moments I find in the film that I, makes me laugh a little bit <laughs> is because there's a concept. I think Meb says these words at one point. She says, you're a wolf when you're asleep. You're a girl when you're awake. All right. Follow this with me, this logic. If you are a wolf when you're asleep, but you're actually awake as a wolf, and then you're a girl when you're awake as a human, you're always awake. You're never actually asleep. When do you actually sleep? If you're awake as a wolf and asleep as a girl. Anyway, conundrum for me, but <laughs> <laughs> not one that was a problem. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's so, so beautiful. Um, this moment, it is absolutely one of my favorite cinematic, emotionally riveting experiences like and visually and aud auditorially of the same of the entire year for me in movies i feel the same way it's it's great when we um have the same connecting point i feel a kinship with you when we do that <laughs> yay i like it i like it well hopefully people out there will agree i would be not be surprised if most people felt the same way about this being a connecting point 
Uh, this or I think maybe a close second, not, maybe not close, but a second place would have been probably Meb's father, uh, not Meb's father. Meb doesn't have a father, sadly. Uh, the, uh, Robin's father sacrificing himself, coming in, becoming a wolf to try and protect her. And that is a pretty amazing moment as well, where he steps into that world, um, in order to try and keep her safe and, and particularly the moment when he has to walk away and has to trust her and say, I'm going to let you do what I, you want to do. And I know it's dangerous and it scares the crap out of me. And I can tell you as an overprotective parent, <laughs> like right now, I don't want my daughter to go drive because it's snowy. Um, like I feel that. And at some point you have to do that. Like my daughter's going to college in the summer and you have to be able to say, I've raised you, I believe in you and what you find value and what you are passionate about, and I trust you, and, and I'm going to support you, whatever that means, even if I don't fully understand it. <laughs> um, and that's what he does. And so that's like probably my second, just as a father. But uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Hopefully everybody has seen this. If you're still listening, um, go watch it again. It's a great movie. Yes, I see that on Letterboxd, it only has 37 thousand views i need that number to be pumped up to at least a hundred thousand because it deserves it absolutely so tell your friends everybody hopefully this will reinvigorate your love for the movie um and we can get it into some more eyeballs well that's all folks for this episode of feeling film we appreciate you giving us a slice of a time out of your day or night depending on what time you listen to this and if you want to keep the conversation going or give us your thoughts find us in the awesome feeling film discussion facebook group aaron Thanks for another great conversation, and we will talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.